If you don't mind, thank you so very much, Pastor, for allowing me to share the pulpit with you. It's really an honor and it's a privilege. And Tim and Tim and Reese, I'm sorry, my, my, my daughter-in-law's name is Reese also. <laughs> my son's married to Reese, not not Reese, but <laughs> but seriously, uh, they were in prayer before leaving the islands for a good church to attend. And they did their homework. They did visit a few churches to find out, you know, Lord, is this it? Lord, what do you want us to do? Where do we go? And so, cut a long story short, God led them to this church. And I, I guess, Tim, you already shared with the pastor how you went down to another place where the church was supposed to be, but the church backslid. <laughs> and then they got revived over here. <laughs> uh, praise God. But seriously, uh, God's blessed him with a wonderful pastor. Seriously, and I say that from my heart, not, those are not just words. But God's blessed Tim and Reese and the family with a wonderful family here. And thank you so very much for, for welcoming them and allowing them into your hearts. Appreciate that so very much. I know we're short on time, but I do want to say uh, before, I, I'm sorry, Pastor. My wife told me this morning, honey, I think you ought to lose that tie. <laughs> but you see, in Hawaii... A lot of the locals there, uh, not local, but local people, <laughs> they, they wear aloha shirts or baggy shirts. And so this morning I need to share a secret about the aloha shirts and the mumus and the ties. They hide a multitude of sin. Yes. <laughs> so I really wanted to lose a tie this morning but I got a, I struggled to get, I came over here and this thing that they call a suit fit me. Is it Jason? Does this look like it fits me? I was able to at least, you know, and I tried to get ready a little earlier before Tim picked me up and I struggled to get that suit on. I had a safety pin just in case. Oh man, where was a tailor when you need them? Anyway. Thank you again for this opportunity given to just share God's word. And really the only thing we need to do is stand up and pray and go home because I'm amazed at how God speaks to worship leaders to prepare songs and prepare the people's hearts for the message and how through prayer and everything else, everything just falls in line. And I'm saying, Lord, I, I don't need to preach. Even that first song that we sang this morning, I look at it, Lord, you're in control of everything, even the songs, the worship, the praise, everything. So God really has everything in control. I, I did want to do something. Pastor, I pray you'll forgive me if I'm taking too much time. But you know, when you watch these game shows, you got with Jeopardy, my, my wife loves Jeopardy. I, I don't like Jeopardy, but I don't like game shows. The only game shows I like is like football, basketball, you know. But anyway, on these little shows, Jeopardy, you know, before they begin, what do they normally say? They introduce a person. Is there someone you'd like to say? Is there something you'd like to say to somebody out there? And they always start off, well, I'd like to, you know, uh, welcome my beautiful wife, my handsome husband of so many years. And that's great. Well, I'd like to take that opportunity just for a moment. Kella, well, I guess you'll know him as Isaac. Po'o Kella. But for short, we call him Kella. 
I haven't visited your Sunday school classes. You know, I, I like visiting classes, sitting in a Sunday school class. I haven't visited and met up with the youth pastor and, you know. But back home, Tim and Reese were youth leaders for a while, and then their children, of course, got involved with the sports, and, and so they felt they just couldn't commit as they did. They, they were, so another youth leader's taken over, but Tim and Reese kind of oversaw them and, and gave them some guidance. But Killa, I don't know, you gave me this some years ago. It's dated November the 4th, 2012. Of course, you don't remember that. Yeah, a lot of things you don't remember. But you know, most pastors at the close, or most speakers at the close of a service, they'll give a little invitation. So I thought we'd give a little invitation for those that may not know Jesus, or maybe you've kind of wandered away, whatever it might be, and you're struggling to get back. Here's something from Keller's class here. Well, they, that, on this particular day, they were studying the three types of wine, unfermented, fermented, and regular grape juice. And then uh, some of the things he has here is victory in Christ Jesus. Put your trust in God and have victory with him. Believe in God and accept him uh, to... What? Anyway, you can translate this for me. You know, I don't speak in this kind of tongues. But uh, anyway... <laughs> Uh, and then keep your trust in the Lord and nothing evil will hurt you. Do you remember that? You don't remember that, huh? Well, you know, why don't, you, why don't I give this back to you? Because everything, believe in, in, in me and trust in me. It's a picture of Jesus he kind of drew here, you know. But I'm going to give this back to you so that it'll serve as a reminder. So if you don't mind. Let's look to the Lord in prayer again. Heavenly Father, you woke us up this morning, sent us on our way, and here we are praising you, worshiping you, adoring you, loving on you. Thank you, Lord, so very much for life and breath, your mercy and your grace. Now, fathers, we look into your word this morning. You know the hearts of every one of us. So I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. And for those that have ears to hear, may they hear what your spirit would say to your church. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to be reading from Philippians, a very familiar scripture to many of us. Chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, just a little bit. But in leading up to that, I, I did want to share something. When Tim had found the church here. He said, Dad, this church is in a building program, just like how we were back home. And, you know, they're getting started and this and that, you know. And I was really excited. I hadn't met the pastor. I hadn't met you people either. But I was really excited because it's always exciting because God is in control. And he, he knows it's not about you. It's all about him. You're saved. We all belong to him already. Praise God for that. But there's a whole bunch of people out there in the community that don't know Jesus. And so God is calling all hands on deck because he needs everyone. He doesn't need people fitting around their phones and checking things out. He needs people on deck getting ready to do what he wants them to do. And so he's calling for this church to reach the community. He's calling for this church to continue to reach those in the schools. He's calling for this church to reach your workplace. 
In fact, it's probably speaking to your hearts about reaching yourself because we all need to draw closer to the Lord. I say that as we slowly lead into our approach to the scripture reading. Tim had a good friend. Was his wife, he, his wife was in the military. And so they were deployed to Hawaii. And so he and Tim worked together for a while. And he began to share with Tim a little about his life. His father was a bishop, a pastor in a church, godly church. But this friend of Tim's earlier in life was rebellious. They didn't want to sit under daddy. They didn't want a preacher for daddy. They didn't want to do anything of that sort. And so at a very young teenage year, he left home. He ran from home. Got involved with the gangs. He even showed me a couple of his bullet holes, uh, wounds that he had received from being a part of the gang. I said all that to say this. His dad one day got contact as to where his son was. And his father had just preached a message. You got what you wanted. You might want to write this down because it's a good witnessing tool. You got what you wanted, but you lost what you had. I don't know the contents of that message. But ever since that young man shared that with Tim, it settled in my heart. You got what you wanted, but you lost what, he, what you had. What are you simply saying to his son? His son, your mom and I, we love you dearly. We had a roof over your head, food and clothing for you. You had love, you had a wonderful church, church family. But you rebelled, and now you got what you wanted. You wanted, oh, I didn't see you, Kaino. My other grandson, boy, they're all over the place. Anyone else coming in? How come everybody's leaving Hawaii? I'm the only one left. <laughs> I'm sorry for interrupting this. I, I'm sorry, I, I do that often. You know. I lose track of myself too, so you gotta keep, help keep me on track. So what was I saying now? Yeah. Anyway, getting back to this young man, yeah. That, you, so the father wanted him to know you got involved with the gang. That's what you wanted. You got shot up. That's what you wanted. You wanted to live off the streets. That's what you wanted. But at home, you had love. Right. Nobody was shooting at you, but you were fed. You were warm. You, you were cared for. Got what you wanted, but you lost what you had. But I began to look at that on the flip side of the coin. I got what I wanted. Growing up, I was involved with a cult. Uh, thank God, you know, as kids, we don't listen. We never listen. We come to church and we just want to check out uh, girls and boys. We just want to, oh, I don't know, I was too young to check out girls and boys. But anyway, I used to sneak out of church and thank God. I think God arranged it, you know. My mom sent me off to this church. My mom was, anyway, a wonderful woman, but she, she had a lot of God in her but not enough to take us in the long drawn out story, maybe another time we could share that. But I'm saying all that again to say that uh, God had everything in control. Didn't realize it, man. I was too busy taking the money that mama gave me to put in the offering and I ran out of church. But you see, that's okay because that was a cult. <laughs> this is not a cult. Amen. 
So you cannot take this money and go running off to the candy store. <laughs> you got to put your money in the offering. But anyway, I, again, I lost my train of thought. But it, just to say that, uh, on a positive note, I had heard about God. I had heard about Jesus, but I'd heard about heaven. As a little kid, I'd heard about heaven. And I thought to myself as little that I could recollect of heaven, the Bible, God. I'd like to go there one day. There's no more crying. We did a lot of crying in our family for many reasons. I'd like to go there one day because there's no sickness. I was a very sickly child growing up. And for so many reasons, I just kept on saying, I'd like to get there one day. Yeah. Well, I want you to know, I got what I wanted. Hallelujah. I got a home waiting for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah praise God. But I lost what I had. I lost the devil. <laughs> I lost all this godlessness. I lost everything. Lost. It was taken away from me. It was washed away from me. So, praise God. So, saying that again, to say that it's hard to shake off the past. The past seems to follow us, even as Christians. That old devil is nipping at our heels and he wants us to remember where we came from. And by the way, if he tries to get you to remember where you came from, you remind him where he's going. And uh, that might cause him to back off for a little while. So here's what Paul said, if you'll follow me in Philippians chapter three, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I'd like to take the title of this message from verse 13, paraphrasing that just a little bit. But one thing I do, forgetting the past. Amen. Forgetting the past. Some Christians, some believers in Christ are encaged with their past. They're serving the Lord. They love the Lord. But there are certain things that restricts them from making a total commitment. From totally consecrating themselves to the Lord. Things of the past hound them. Some believers are chained to their past. Their past mistakes, wrong decisions, their failures. They just can't move on. Oh, they sit in church every Sunday. I don't know about here, but they do. In every beach assembly. They love the Lord. They sing praises. They, but they can't forget their past. I'd like to share a story with you I've shared several times in our church, back home. It's a story about a great brown bear. Let me read this for you. Several decades ago, a zoo in Germany purchased a great brown bear from a traveling circus. All of its life, this brown bear had been cooped up in an iron cage, 12 feet long. And every day, this huge bear with its massive head swaying from side to side, would pace out the dimensions of its cage 12 feet forward, 12 feet backward. People came from all over to see this great bear. They would toss lit cigarette butts in its path to break the rhythmic pacing and burn the pads of its feet 
Some would even throw broke, broken glass in to break the bear's stride and other cruel things. But over the years of cruel treatment, it still survived and kept on marching 12 feet forward, 12 feet back. The bear was also poorly nourished for water. It drank stagnant water and pig's food, rotten garbage. It knew nothing but captivity, confinement, and cruelty. So the day came when they were going to transfer this great bear to the zoo in Germany. The life of this bear at the zoo would have been like heaven on earth. Good nourishing food throughout the day, acres of green grass to run around in, other bears for company, and maybe even a mate. Tall trees to climb, pools of clean, clear water to drink and swim in. And so they wheeled the big cage out to transfer this great brown bear to the zoo in Germany. And they opened the door, and guess what happened? Nothing. Nothing. Even though there was a great big open door to a better life, that big bear just kept on marching 12 feet forward, 12 feet backward. They called to the bear, but it wouldn't come. They offered it food, water, and freedom, but it wouldn't come. Finally, the only way they could get it out of its cage and onto the zoo's compound was to put a burning rag on a pole and push it through the bars. The smell and the sight of the flames frightened it out of the cage and onto the zoo's grounds. And when it got out of the out on the grounds, it sized up its new surroundings, made a decision, dropped its head to its old familiar way, and began to pace out the exact dimension of its former prison cage. That bear started marching 12 feet forward, 12 feet backward. And suddenly, the zookeepers realized the bear's bars were not metal at all. They were mental. And finally, there was no alternative but to release this great bear to the only door they could find, and they put it to sleep. Sad. Sad. It seems so hard. It really does. For believers to forget their past. Their past failures, their past mistakes, Believe it or not, many Christians are very hesitant about getting involved in a relationship, making friends, because they've been hurt by old friends. And believe it or not, many Christians are hesitant about getting involved in church. They don't mind coming. Don't ask me to do anything, though. Why? Because they've been hurt in the past by things that went on in church. Again, it's just so hard for many to forget the errors, the mistakes, the, the failures of the past. It seems so hard to forget what others have done to us. Forgetting. What we fail to see and understand is Satan is behind of it all. He does not want victorious Christians living for God. He wants a bunch of defeated Christians, believers, 
living for God. He wants to steal our joy. He wants to rob us of our spiritual strength. He wants us to go about looking and living defeated lives. He doesn't want anyone to see any joy in being a believer in Jesus Christ. We need to understand that we cannot and we must not Cannot and we must not. You have a building program that's coming up. I, I don't know. I don't know your hearts. I'm just sharing with you. What, as soon as Tim told me what was happening in the church here, that's, this is what God had laid in my heart. Even when was it? A couple months back? You had shared that with us? Cannot, must not. Allow Satan to hinder us from fulfilling God's mission in our lives. And that is to go out and preach the gospel. Go out and preach the gospel in word or in deed. Go preach God's word. Who was it? Uh, St. Augustine that said uh, that, uh, how did he put it? Uh, this is a long story. I think I'll leave that story out. But, but anyway, it, you know, when you preach, you don't, this is, his monk asked, well, I, I didn't hear you preaching today. I'll just give you that little excerpt. I didn't hear you preaching today when we went to the village. He said, I was. He said, everywhere I went, I was preaching. I didn't see you preach. I didn't hear you preach. He said, what I did and what I said, I was preaching. People think this is preaching. This is not necessarily preaching. This word or deed becomes a, a vessel for the Lord. So we got a lot to share with the world. So we've been called to reach out to the lost, the dying, the hurting, the perishing. But again, sometimes our past, 12 feet forward. 12 feet back gets the best of us. And that's all people see in us. No victory. So why would I ever want to become a believer in Jesus Christ? I see no joy. I, I see only defeat. Uh, let me give you an example of what Satan can do to hinder God's work in our lives. Let's take King David. May, many of us know King David. When you have time, you might want to read 2 Samuel verses, uh, chapters 18 and 19. But there in, in 2 Samuel, we, we read of Absalom. Many of you know of Absalom. King David's son, his son that did him much harm and evil. Absalom cheated, he lied, he deceived, he murdered, and he even plotted to kill his own father. Can you beat that? His own father, who was a king. It got, it got to the point where David went to war, a thing a father never wants to do. Went to war against his son to survive. It got to the point where it's kill or be killed. So he went to war against Absalom and his rebels. But let me read something that King David said to his troops. Deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. Here was a father that was delivered nothing but hurt and brokenness by his son. But he wanted his troops to deal gently. Be kind. Don't kill him now. Don't beat him up now. Just bring him safely back. I'll take care of the matter when, when I see him. That's all I want now. And he felt that everybody was going to obey him. Well, instead, it was reported that Absalom was riding off to escape. And you know the stories. Long hair got stuck in the branches. And word got back to Joab. And Joab, one of the guys, go out and kill him. No, you'll give me them. So he went out and killed Absalom himself. Three daggers, three spears, whichever translation you want to use. Right through the heart. Wanted to make sure that kid never lives again. 
That makes sure that kid never hurts his daddy again. You know, it's, it's amazing how everybody knows or think they know what God's thinking. David received word on what had happened to his son, that his son Absalom was killed. 2 Samuel 18 reads these words. And as he went, he said thus, So my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died in your place, Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Uh, it's a cry of a father yes. that loved his son. It's a cry of a father that would do anything for his children. Now, I don't know. I, I don't know. But maybe David was thinking to himself as he was crying for his son. If only I had been a better father. If only I had spent more time with him when he was younger. If only I had corrected him and not allowed him to get away with murder. If only, if only, if only. And I'm saying that this morning because maybe there are some here that are like David. Thinking, if only I had been a better father. If only I had been a better mother. If only I had been a better husband, a better, a better wife, a better son, a better daughter, a, a better employee, employer. If only I had been a, a better uh, a friend, a Sunday school teacher. If only, if only, if only. You know, you know a lot of God's people go through this, you know. You may not, but many do. Regrets. We need to be reminded, though, Satan, that old devil, is like a thief and a robber. He has no desire but to steal and kill and destroy. Steal and kill and destroy. He doesn't care about those on the outside. They're dead already. They're not going to make it to heaven unless we get out there. So he wants to steal and kill and destroy whomever he can. He has no respect of person. That's Satan. But let's go back to King David for a moment. Chapter 19 verses 1 through 7 from the New Living. Verse 1 Word soon reached Joab that the king was weeping and mourning for Absalom and as the people heard of the king's deep grief for his son the joy of that day's victory was turned into deep sadness. They crept back into the town that, that day as though they were ashamed and had deserted in battle. The king covered his face with his hands and kept on crying. See what happens? When we don't mix love and chastening. It can't all be love and it can't all be correction. David should have known this. But the king covered his face with his hands and kept on crying. Oh my son Absalom. Oh Absalom my son my son. Then Joab went to the king's room and said to him, we saved your life today and the lives of your sons, your daughters, and your wives and concubines. Yet you act, you act like this, making us feel ashamed of ourselves. You seem to love those who hate you and hate those who love you. You have made it clear today that your commanders and troops mean nothing to you. It seems that if Absalom had lived and all of us had died, you would be pleased. Now go out there 
and congratulate your troops. For I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out, not a single one of them will remain here tonight. Then you'll be worse off than ever before. I share that. Because it appears that David was too busy looking to his past and not looking ahead. But here's another good point. In, so, in being so busy looking to his past failures, the ministry, and we're all in ministry. If you're a husband, your, your wife is your ministry. If you're a wife, your husband's your ministry. Saved or not, they're, they're ministry. how are you ministering? And I, I learned this a long time ago. I better be very, very careful how I minister to my wife. <laughs> she's my wife, but she's God's daughter. Well, you don't mess with God's children. So I better be very careful how I deal with her, how I speak with her, and what I do. And so we find that David here was neglecting his ministry of directing Israel. It all came to a halt. This powerful king, this powerful warrior, all of that, his love for God, everything came to a halt. And there was no more joy in the kingdom. It affected everyone else. Because the king was sad and broken, it affected everyone else. Satan is always on our case. He's always reminding you and me. Not of our victories, but of our failures. That's what Satan wants us to remember. He reminds us of how we blew it. You ever find that to be true in your life as a Christian? Here you are living a victorious life and all of a sudden, you know, this, this guy cuts up in front of you out on the freeway and all of a sudden, uh, I hope that doesn't happen here, you know, but you start speaking in tongues and there's nobody to interpret those tongues. You know, you know what I'm saying. We kind of feel like we blew it. Guess who's in the car with us? There you go. You blew it. You backslide. You're good for nothing. So and so. And make, he makes us feel like, oh, man, he makes us feel awful. You want to park the car and get out on the side of the road and kneel and pray, Father, forgive me if I have sinned. But that won't happen. Do you have snakes out here? Yeah, yeah there's a good reason to stay in your car. <laughs> but anyway, anyway. <laughs> Satan is always reminding us of how we blew it. Did you ever blow it? Did you ever mess up royal? That, that's Satan. Well, here on earth, the past will always try to beat us up. It will always try to beat us up by having us look back to our awful, awful failures. And who amongst us have not fallen so short of God's glory? You can begin with me. I have fallen so short. I get up every morning and I want to give God glory and praises in what I do. Oh, boy. And my wife knows. That's why, Tim, I can't move to Texas. Man, you took us on, what's that freeway called? The six-something? Huh? I don't care. I call it the highway to hell, man. Uh, well, I shouldn't have said that, but, man. I'm sitting there praying, Lord, get us through this, man. <laughs> In Hawaii, on, on our island, we only got 
two freeways. <laughs> It'll be a joke to you if you ever go to Hawaii. They call this a freeway? Man, this is a back road. <laughs> but anyway, we have the H1, Highway 1, and Highway 2 on the island that we're living on. Don't laugh, Spanky, because where you live, I understand your mom. She takes all the back roads. I said, Kauai, you can't take back roads in Kauai. They're, it's just a total mess. But anyway, anyway, forget that. I don't know why I even said that. <laughs> but the past will always try to beat us up. The past will always try to get us to look back and dwell on our awful mistakes. And who amongst us have not made mistakes? I'm reminded of a story of this old Chinese man. I don't know if you've ever seen these old Chinese men, maybe in movies. But they carry around, these merchants, they carry around a long stick over their shoulder, either this way or this way. Well, on one particular day, this old Chinese man was trotting to the roadway, and he turned the alley, he turned down to go down an alley, and his big old pot of soup, hot soup that he was taking somewhere, hit the side of the building, and it broke. But he kept on walking, didn't bother looking back or nothing. Kept on walking, and a bystander saw what was happening, so he said, hey, old man, you just broke your jar of soup. He says, I know, I know, I know. He kept on walking. Yeah, but you never looked back. And he said, why look back? The soup is lost. The jar is broken. Why look back? And says, that's a good word for you and me. Why look back? Just keep on moving forward. We know we, we have made mistakes. That's why we have what is called prayer. Father, forgive me for I have sinned. I see a lot of cover-up for sin today. Father, forgive them for they've messed up, man. Not me, God. I, I'm cool. Really? There's a publican. There's a story in the Bible about a publican, you know, and a Pharisee, a religious nut that thought he had it all together, but the publican was able to forgive me for I have sinned. That's what God wants to hear. He's tired of hearing this. In, in the islands, we call that waha. Figure of speech for all mouth, no action. God wants us to repent of our ways. Don't look back, look forward. God is leading, let's follow. Now, in Philippians chapter 3, again, we read these words again. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may, hold, may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do for
You can run a marathon. You can run a 100-yard dash. That's fine. You know how far you're going to go. But the race that you and I are in, we don't know. You could be driving down the road, no traffic. And all of a sudden, some aircraft way up somewhere loses his landing gear, and there goes you and the car. So we, we just don't know. We're, we're in a race to get home. But we're not racing against anyone. That's important. Paul is not allowing himself to be distracted from winning the prize of going home. Take note. Take note of the words that Paul uses there. I press on. Oh, we were watching. Where's my honey? Uh, she's somewhere. Oh, there you are. <laughs> we were watching this, I don't know what they were called, these big old massive athletes. Which watch a few minutes before Tim picked this up the other day. And I tell you, I, I don't know the strength they get, but they were just pressing on, pulling a, what was a truck or bus. I said, man, I can't even pull his leg up to get in, in, the, in the bus, and these guys are pulling the bus. And we could all get in that bus and pull us, you know. Massive guys, big old dudes. But I picture Paul pressing on. I don't care how low, how heavy the load gets. I'm going to press on. I'm going to lay hold. I'm not going to let go. Uh, forgetting those things which are behind. He's reaching for. Take note of those words. I press toward the goal. There's so many wonderful things. You know, out here in Texas, you know, Pastor, this coat did fit me before I left the islands. I could button it. You don't know the struggle I went in and to put these pants on. I can't wait to change these pants, but I should have used a girdle if I could find somebody with a girdle, so, you know. But I, I put a lot of weight, well, good food, a lot of good food. And it's Tim's fault. <laughs> but Paul is expressing his heart's desire and his determination. No matter what, He's going to press on because he's got his eyes on a different meal. He's got his eyes on a different destiny. He's got his eyes uh, on heaven. He's got his eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. And no matter what imperfections he may have, and I don't know how many of you have imperfections. If you don't have imperfections, the door is right there. You might want to leave now because the rest of us, we're going to have to admit, man, we got some imperfections. Some of us, we lose our cool. Some of us, we get upset over some, I don't know. I, you know, I tell the people back home, Pastor, that we have, sometimes we have three lanes. Believe it or not, here on the island of Oahu, we actually have three lanes. Sometimes we got four, four lanes. That far left lane, I try to let everybody know, that's my lane. Stay off of my lane. And you know, people, they get into my lane, and they just park and take their time. And I, I tell you what, I get so frustrated. I don't like to go to the right lane. That's where all the slow pokes are at. You know, I'm 105 years, no. I'm a, I'm a little bit older than most of you here, but I still like the fast lane. My wife is getting like that now. Oh, terrible. Example. But anyway, anyway. 
Paul here is expressing his heart's desire and his determination that no matter what, he is going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what imperfections he may have, he's going to keep on pressing on. He's going to keep on marching on. He recognizes the fact that he is so far from being perfect that no matter what mistakes and failures that he has gone through, he refuses to live a defeated life. He knows who he is, and he knows who he belongs to. Amen. There is no defeat in Jesus. Amen. Oh, you might have some setbacks. You might have some clowns that cut in front. Oh, I hope I'm not saying the wrong thing here. I hope I don't meet anybody. Well, I'm not driving, so I don't have to worry. <laughs> Timmy, do you get on the left lane? No, you don't. I saw you the other Well, yeah, you were on the fast lane. Yeah, you were. And I kept on saying, faster, boy, faster. They're catching up with us. Uh, I, I, my wife doesn't like when I drive. I, I think I'm in a race, you know. Got to get from here to there, and the fastest one there gets the prize. What's the prize? Well, <clears throat> sir, could I see your license, please? <laughs> so my wife always has to remind me, honey, we're not in a race. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember that. But anyway, Paul recognized the fact that he refuses, saints, he refuses to live a defeated life, even in the dungeon. Right. He wanted Timothy to bring his cloak, give him some writing material, bring his parchments. What for, boy, you're going to die? Who said? Who said I'm going to die? You said, I, know, I didn't, God might want me to live on another day, another year. Death might be close, but... Bring my parchment. I've got some writing to do. He kept busy for the Lord. In spite of the many mistakes and, and the bad choices that Paul had made, in spite of fumbling the ball so often, he knew this. The Lord loved him. That's right. The Lord died for him. He knew this, that no matter what befalls him, that he had Jesus he could always look up to. Yes. And if he felt the Lord would be there to help him back up. He had his eyes on a goal. And that goal was heaven. Again, Philippians 1, verse 6. Paul reminds us, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. God's, God, listen, God has done a good work in you and me. Well, I'll say amen. He has. I was eating slop. Saints, I was eating slop at one time. I'm talking about before coming to the Lord. All this good stuff that I thought was good for me, the worldliness. All of a sudden I realized I was eating slop, brother. God set a table before me. Oh, and I tell you, I've been feasting off of God's table. And I'm going to keep on. But listen, God has begun a good work in you and he will complete that work. Whether you like it or not, he's going to keep at us and keep at us and keep at us. Though we have messed up so many times, even gotten off of course, God never, God never, God never gives up on you and me. I find some on the side, they call them backsliders. Well, call them what you want, but they're not following God. They're on the side. They're, they, God's not going to wait around. Well, when you finish whining, you can catch up with us. You know, we're going to wait, right? God, God does not wait. There's a world to be won for the Lord. And you got to get, get to following. If not, you're going to be left behind. And those stragglers may find themselves devoured by the lion. Not the line of Judah. If we could only see and understand that God has a beautiful, beautiful purpose for you and me. Not just here. Oh, but he has something even more beautiful 
for us at home. But until then, we got to keep on marching. We got to keep on moving ahead. We cannot allow our past failures and mistakes to hinder God's plan for us. Too often, we allow our failures to gain victory over us. But Romans chapter 8, I tell you, that's a wonderful scripture there. Romans chapter 8 tells us that we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors through him who loved us. Years ago, we had a speaker at our church sharing a story of another pastor, a vibrant, powerful pastor, wonderful ministry. He loved God. This pastor loved the saints of God. Just, he just loved, loved everybody. But he found himself facing cancer, irreversible cancer. And little by little, no matter how much the church fasted and prayed, no much he and his wife fasted and prayed, he was losing his battle against cancer. He was living a defeated life. Wife couldn't stand it any longer. So she came up to him one day and she said, Daddy, you've showed God's people all these years how to live for him. Now you go show God's people how to die for him. Victory even in death, saints. That's important, you know. So many people whine and cry, but when I'm dying, I'm going to miss this. There's nothing to miss in this old world. I tell you, there's nothing to miss. If you could only, if we could only understand that God has a beautiful eternity in store for you and me. Man, I've heard of preachers that just couldn't wait to die. I've heard of people in congregations that just couldn't wait to die. Who, who was that? Uh, uh, Tim, you remember Catherine Delapina? You know, we came in to visit her at the hospital. She was dying. And one of her words was, Pastor, yeah, guess what? I said, what? I'm dying. Doctor said, it's much, not much hope. I mean, she didn't say that, but I'm dying, you know, I'm, I'm going to miss my kids. No, she was happy to leave her kids. Oh, she had good kids, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but she was only so happy to leave her kids, leave everybody, because there would be no more pain. And she suffered a lot of pain, suffered a lot of pain. So she was joyful about going home and being with Jesus. Paul said, I forget those things which are behind The great apostle Paul would not allow his past to gain control over him. It's called the past for reason. It's past. So if it's past, let it go and keep on marching forward. All our failures and our mistakes, that's all under the blood, Jesus knows that. Jesus knows that. Listen, I mess up every day. Your pastor does it. <laughs> Yes, we would be the first to say to the church, yeah? Hey, church, the reason I'm asking you to pray and ask God to forgive you is because that's the same prayer I pray. Because we all fall short of the glory of God. There's an old song that we sing, and what can wash away my sin? I'm reminded of that all the time. I fall short. I don't make plans. Now, listen, I don't make plans on going out there and... Okay, listen all these things down and saying, okay, Lord, uh, I did this wrong and I did that. I, I think that's important to bring all our sins before the Lord. 
But I don't sing songs just to sing songs. It's got to minister to my heart. And by the way, those songs this one ministered to my heart. Thank you so very much, whoever put those songs together. But what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Pastor, I, I apologize. What time is dinner? No, I'm serious. Uh, not not dinner, but I mean, what what time? I I didn't I didn't bother looking. Where's your sound person? One more minute. Okay. Okay. In the Old Testament, we run across a man by the name of Joseph. You ever hear of Joseph? Yes. Joseph. This young lad, he suffered in body, soul, and spirit. He was mocked, he was teased, he was hated, he was abused, he was threatened and despised. And guess by whom? His own family, his brothers. I mean, brothers fight, but their brothers are thicker than blood. No, not these brothers here. His brothers got so fed up with him and his stories about, you know, acting like he was holier than thou. They sold him off down into Egypt. He went. And there in Egypt, he suffered some more. God allowed Joseph to go. God didn't. <laughs> people get the wrong conception of God. God put all this stuff on him. No, 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 no. God doesn't put all that junk on us. The devil comes by. God will allow the devil to tempt us. But only so far. God never puts all that rubbish on us. But anyway, God allowed Joseph to go through further abuse there in Egypt. More ridicule, more hardship, more misunderstanding, more loneliness. Now there's no family and false accusations. Oh, you all know the story about Joseph here. He suffered and suffered and suffered. See, God has a plan. What are you going through? You know, we lost two dogs just recently. A lot of times when Carmel, Tim, you know Carmel, our pit, if she was hurting, she wouldn't let anybody know she was hurting. Oh, you see her limping, then, you know, touch her wound and she's hurt, whatever it might be, but she'd lick her wounds, but that's about as far as she would go. And I'm saying that sometimes we Christians, we want everybody to know I'm so sad, I'm so defeated, I'm so beat up. And God is saying, hey, what about me? Anybody on my side? We're all on the devil's side, you know. Anyway, I say that because that pit bull, we, we miss her, yeah? We miss her, she was a good dog. But that's how God's people become sometimes. Joseph, on the other hand, he suffered. I don't see him bellyaching, but he suffered until it was time to introduce him to the top man in Egypt, Pharaoh himself. Didn't, he didn't know that's where God was leading him. God had a plan. God has a plan for your life, my life. God has a plan for this community. God has a plan for your church here. God has a plan. So God had a plan for Joseph. He didn't quite understand the plan, but God had a plan. After being exalted as Pharaoh's right-hand man, Pharaoh gave Joseph a woman, wonderful woman, to be his wife. And this woman bore him two sons. 
If you have the time, you might want to read Genesis 41. I'll, I'll read that scripture for you. Joseph, verse 51, 41, verse 51. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. Joseph named his son forget or forgetting. He was saying, God, no matter what my brothers have done to me, no matter what Pharaoh's wife has falsely accused me of, no matter what anyone has done to me, no matter how much I have been abused and ridiculed, misjudged, uh, no matter what failures I have suffered, I'm going to forget it. I'm going to forget it, God. So I'm going to name my firstborn Manessa, forgetting. Because God, you've helped me to forget my past. My past is gone. It's not going to hold me down any longer, God. But in the very next verse, verse 52, we find that a second son was born to Joseph. And the name of the second, he, he called Ephraim. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. It's interesting. Ephraim's name being fruitful or Doubly fruitful. But here's the point. Before Joseph could become fruitful, he had to forget his past, his failures, his mistakes, his hurts. Before God's people can really become fruitful, they've got to forget their hurts, their past, their brokenness, what people have done to them or what they've gone through. We're going to be closing in just a moment. Years ago, I don't know, Pastor, if you ever came across this gospel track we used to have in our, our track rack. Track rack, people don't know what a track rack is, I guess, today, but uh, some old timers might. But it was a little testimony by someone by the name of Roy Riggles. Let me give you some excerpts, and you can go online. Uh, I don't know if it's any, I don't know if the Assemblies of God have it any longer, but let me just pull some excerpts out of that. It's a story of Roy Riggles. I've shared this story with our church so many times in the past. On January 1st, 1929, the California Golden Bears faced the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California. Roy Riggles picked up a Georgia Tech fumble, ducked his head, and ran. Five yards from making a touchdown, he was tackled by his own teammate. Roy Riggles was running the wrong way. Halftime, he ran back to the locker room and hid behind the doors. During halftime, the coach in the locker room began to call out the starting lineup for the second half. Jones, Smith, Brown, Riggles, Riggles. Roy Riggles came out from behind the lockers crying, Coach, can't go out there. I'm a failure. I'll never play football again. Coach placed his hand on Roy Riggles' shoulders and said, Son, you made a mistake. You made a big, bad mistake. But the game is only half over. Now get in there and do your best. Saints, I don't know about you, but I love being a believer in Jesus Christ. 
Oh, if we had the time, I'd share. Nobody would have ever believed that Bob? They called me Bobby. I don't use that. Well, is this going on here? I don't want everybody knowing I called me Bobby. That this doesn't sound manly, you know. They call me Bobby. Everybody calls you Bobby, uh, except those that don't know me. I know why I even said that. I, said, I lose my thoughts a lot. They, they say that, you know, when you're getting ready to go home, you kind of forget about stuff down here, you know, you start thinking more of heaven. I hope that's it. <laughs> but anyway, Coach said, get out there, do your best. And saints, let me say this. Some of us here, begin with me, made some pretty bad mistakes, you know. In fact, maybe there's some people out there that don't want us, don't want to listen to us, don't give ear to anything we say because we messed up big time. But listen, the game is not over. We're still healthy enough to get up there and play another quarter, maybe another quarter, and finish off and run back to the locker room victorious. But let's, let's get back into the game, if you don't mind me using that as a, a figure of speech. Let's get back into the game. And let's learn from our mistakes because we need to move on to victory. This church, the church back home, we all believers, we need to move on, run on to victory. The past is going to be the past. That's where it belongs, in the past. I'll close. Uh, I guess you know, pastors have three closings. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll close. Years ago, there was a movie entitled Touched by an Angel. Uh, the only thing I want to say is we kind of watched it. It wasn't very scriptural, but it was decent enough to watch. <coughs> Touched by an Angel. In one particular episode. Here's what the angel said. The reason God put our face in the front and not in the back is because God wants us to look forward, not backwards. And maybe there are some even here this morning. Your past is still haunting you. Whatever it might be, Someone in the home, maybe an old relationship, maybe someone at work, uh, something just dogging you, just, just nipping at your, your heels, and you can't shake it. Listen, here's what Paul said again as we close. And I'll read this from the New Living, Philippians 3. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, is calling us. Before we go home, if you don't mind, all of our fears, let's leave them behind. All of our misunderstandings, the mistakes, the hurt, the failures, the weaknesses. Leave them behind. Leave them at the cross. God has a better work for you and me to do than to worry about that stuff. Jesus took care of that at the cross. Took care of all of that at the cross. We got Jesus. 
need to keep our eyes on the goal. There's a work to be won. And I really appreciate from what my son and his wife have been sharing about the wonderful work and the wonderful people and the vision of the pastor and your new building coming up. All hands on deck. No one below. There's not be any time. There's a community that's perishing. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, today would be a wonderful time. Not to just hang in there. No, get involved. Get involved. Give Him your body, your soul, your spirit. And you'll find out in the end, it was worth it all. Would you please stand, Pastor? Thank you, Lord. Pastor Bob, thank you for this timely word. This is a word that I believe applied to every person in this room in some way. Can I hear an amen there? I, I can tell you, applied to our church individually. And I think, as let's pray together right now. Just let's pray. Father, thank you for this word that you brought to our congregation today. Father, there's so many things from our past, whether church relationships, personal family relationships, circumstances, where maybe deep wounds were developed. Lord, we can imagine the Apostle Paul and all that he'd been through, all the abuse that he suffered. And yet, the Spirit of Christ the grace of Christ so rich in him that he could say forgetting those things which are behind. Father, I pray for every heart in this room. I pray also for minds in this room that because I know the enemy will use fiery darts of accusation and try to bring to minds and hearts those hurtful moments but Father, I pray that by the washing of the Word of God and by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, that you would, you would draw a bloodline. Just draw a line there that we're, we're going to step over into our future. Lord, as a church, come on, let's pray. As, as a church, we're going to step into our, our future. And not just step, we're going to press into our future. Lord, we're going to press into the promises of the Lord because you love us. And the Lord says in Jeremiah, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to give you hope and a future. The people of God had been in captivity for 70 years, and yet the promise of God was I have a future for you. For everyone in this room, whatever your past has been, in your naturalness, you may not feel like you could get out of it. How do I ever have a future? But the Lord said, I have a plan for you. Follow my plan. And so, Father, I ask you to help us each to make a decision to say, I forget the past. I forget the wounds. I forget the words that were spoken. I forget the, the injustice that was done. And we pray that you would wash us. Just lift your hands right now and say, Lord, wash me right now. Whatever, however, however this applies. Now, we'll be done in one moment, but just take this right now. However this applies, say, Lord, wash, wash those hurts away. 
Wash that unforgiveness away. We make a choice to release the past. Joseph had to release all of his brothers. He had to release Judah and Simeon and and Asher and Issachar. He had to release all of them. In your heart, you need to do this. Say, Lord, I release that person. I release that circumstance. I release that sorrow. I release that grief. In the name of Jesus, I release it. I release it in the name of Jesus. I speak to every hindrance and every mountain to move out of your pathway. Don't hold on to your past, but, 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 but press toward your future. Press toward your future in the mighty and glorious name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now today, we're not going to come to the front because we're not going to all bunch up together up here. But I want to I want to speak to you and just I want you to take this home with you. This is a word for all of us today that we are pressing toward our future. Now I'm saying this, as a church, we're pressing to our future. I received another prophecy this week at a minister's meeting. I'm not going to read it, but it was very powerful. You you as an individual person, let go of your past, press on to your future. God has a great future. You may feel like you're in a prison like Joseph was. But let me tell you, God can get you out in a moment's time. And let's do that today. Amen? Brother Bob, thank you so much. Thank you for this word today. Father, now I pray, church, that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In Jesus' name.